Hey, this is Brent. Hey, this is Jordan. What's up? This is Matt. Hey, this is Sean. And this is the Digital Ascent Podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight or today or in the morning, whenever you may be listening to this podcast. We record it at night, so that's the reason I'm just in the habit of saying tonight. But this is episode 0017 or 17 of the Digital Ascent Podcast. Tonight, of course, uh, myself, Brent, and uh, we also have Matt and Jordy. Uh, Sean is hello, hello. out tonight. Yeah, there's Jordy's little hello, hello. <laughs> uh, so tonight, uh, we, we, as, as usual, we're going to talk, you know, current events. I think we have one to talk about specifically, but the, the overall topic is going to be the dark web, uh, not to be confused with the deep web, which uh, I'll, I'll try to point out uh, the difference of that once we get into that topic. But uh, for the current event, I think we're going to touch on the recent uh, hack at MGM. Uh, Matt, did you want to you wanna lead us into that one? Just since you probably are a little bit more in tune with that, and then we can kind of go from there. Tell us, sure. come on. Yeah, so <laughs> this, is, this is a particularly nasty hack. It was, I guess you at the end of the day, called a social engineering um, hack on the, on the way in, at least. The, the initial breach on this was somebody calling into the service desk and basically being like, I'm John Doe, and I, I need a password reset, right? And the call took, yeah, yeah. And the call took 10 minutes. And, you know, to me, that's pretty long for a password reset call. So, I mean, the, the service desk person or whoever took it probably wasn't like, sure thing, buddy. But it, eventually they did say yes. And uh, they they reset the password, I guess, or some, something. I guess I don't know all the gory details. But that's that's what it looks like. It looks like happened. And it really highlights the importance of identity verification on the service desk. I've, I've been through several companies where I feel like one day I woke up and management came out and said, all right, you know, it's time to I do identity verification on the service desk. And we're going to do like this, that, or the other thing to do it. Um, I remember the service desk each time being like, ah, oh, why me? You know, <laughs> yeah, they hate it, right? Everybody hates it, right? You think, you think Mr. User, Mrs. User, Miss User is on the other side of the line or, you know, wh whoever it is on the other side of the line going, oh, goody, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't wait until I have to remember my start date from eight years ago or some right. equally ridiculous. Yeah. So or some, some unique fact. Yep. Yeah. Some BS, man. And. I don't know. I, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it highlights the incredible weakness there, you know, for even a, a major security company. Um, I promise you, I promise you the CISO of MGM is still having a bad time. They were down for 10 days. They're saying That's a long time. Yeah. In business. It's a long saying, time in any business, but yeah. Yeah, they're saying it's eighty million dollars of of cost to the business across like what I assume is refunded rooms because people couldn't get into rooms and you know couldn't make revenue on games and everything else. Okay, I'm so sure, that was gonna be yeah. I did have a question and I was wondering yeah. like was more of the like loss on the of course it was the business side but I was gonna ask if like you know uh guests were affected at all or you know Yeah. Like, 
Oh yeah, absolutely. They couldn't game. They couldn't get into rooms. They couldn't, I think that there were like other services that that were offered, you know, like transportation type services and other organizing services that to my understanding were also offline. I mean, they were like, as, as far as I can see, this was, this was absolutely crippling. And it all started because somebody on the service desk didn't do the job or, there were bad policies in place that didn't have like good authentication, right? It, there's, there's things that, that are bad questions to ask. You shouldn't be like, what company do you work for? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I was, so I was going to get to this. I was, I was going to say our, our good, a good wrap to this topic would be what, it, what is the proper way to do this? What, what policies should be like, what's some just low hanging okay. fruit that a service well, desk can do? I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to call it low hanging fruit because it, it's. It's still well, hard. Well, I guess not because but, yeah, but, if uh, but, GM's not doing it, then it, I guess it's not. Low yeah, fruit, right? but but I do. I do have some like recommended best practices here for you. Uh, if you are in the position of power where you can have influence on the service desk, and you are saying, "What should I be doing?" Uh, my first recommendation is uh, push users to a self service password reset solution that requires two you know, authenticate like two types of authentication. Uh, a good example of that would be, you know, requiring me to have access to a phone number and right. like a, a special number that I see on the screen and then type into my phone, you know, some type of one-time pass passcode. In the event that you don't have that, I think that a well or publicly documented number is acceptable. I'm going to call you back at the business that I see that you're headquartered at. If you're there, the secretary should be, or whoever, you know, the phone tree more likely should be able to find you, right? Uh, or cell phone or or something like that. The, the point is that you should have these pre-documented things and that, that can act as MFA solutions. I, I have seen that for an SSPR solution, if you still want to help remove some of the like risk to your service desk you can you can still require the two methods and then um issue a temporary access pass through there i believe and doing that allows you to like satisfy one of the methods so like let's say that i have access to uh my phone number but not my qr like or whatever sorry not the qr code the um the one-time passcode you probably brought it in with the qr code right or something like that, then I can issue a one-time password to satisfy one of those. Point is that there's there's a lot of solutions there that what you want to get away from is you know, the service desk resetting the passwords. And what I would say, if they are resetting passwords, you want to get away from from things that would be considered like secrets, you know, like 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 questions, you know, private questions. Even something like a social security number isn't really that private these days. It feels like, at That's least right. to me, and so what what I'm really looking for is a non-password based verification. I'm 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 looking or a non-secrets based verification. I want you to be somewhere, right? The office and have somebody be like, "Yes, I've seen this person before." Basically, right? right? I want to um I want to call a number that was documented 6 years ago and I want you to answer it and pick it up. And that feels pretty reasonable, right? I mean, like that could be it. There's like sim swapping is a real hack. I just read a sim swapping hack. I wish I had a news article in front of me, but I don't. 
And so I guess th- those are my recommendations. Uh, definitely don't just like take anybody's word for it. If somebody calls in and says, I'm John Doe and I need my password reset under no circumstances, should you say, okay, no problem, bro. Or bro, dad <laughs> or whatever. Heard. And it's crazy when I, I feel like, Hey, it's crazy. When I feel like I first entered it, I, that's exactly how it worked. I know people right now that that, that work for companies. And if they call their service desk, they, they say, I'm so-and-so and I'm with so-and-so. I need my password reset. And they go, okay, boss, no problem. And what? they just <laughs> reset the password. No well, problem. No verification. We touched on it um, in, in a few of the AI episodes that we've had too, though. But, you know, we touched on the fact that you can pretty accurately emulate somebody's voice these days too. Because, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of the times it's like, okay, well, I, I know this person's voice. They call in all the time. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm now familiar with this individual. I know what number they call from. I know the person's voice. I've talked to them enough to, to kind of build this rapport with them. I mean, what are the chances, you know, that as this becomes more common that, you know, someone could dupe somebody's voice and convince somebody to, you know, change the password that way. That, yeah, that's and, scary too, which yeah. means that like what you're saying, those best practices and recommendations should not falter you should not stop doing those just because you recognize someone's voice they at that point if you have that relationship with that person they should know that like okay this is you know we're going through this because this keeps you guys secure this keeps us secure this is just the norm now this is how we have to do business you know because this is the world we live in everybody's trying to get a one up on everybody else um yeah it's wild man sneakier yeah oh yeah Gonna say I did want to circle back real quick and say that the recent sim swap attack was against Kroll. And the oh, okay. goal, yeah, and the goal there was crypto stuff. And I think that they got a bunch of it. So those sim swap attacks are real. They they sound kind of silly, but they do, but they do really happen. They seem pretty targeted in a lot of cases. Now, was this like a was this like a cloning deal or how did they pull this one off? Uh, apparently T-Mobile without quote, any authority from or contact with Kroll or any of its employees transferred that employee's phone number to the threat actors phone. Oh, at there okay. so. well, there you go. <laughs> there, I don't there know. You go. Look, man, not wow. look every, I feel like everything I've ever read about the stem swap attacks that most of them are inside jobs or things that look like inside jobs. Meaning I ran into your store and I stole the tablet out of your hand while it was logged in with the manager stuff. Therefore it looks like an inside job, right? Because right. I'm using the manager stuff to do it. So, uh, the, I stole your, your phone and I took your stem and put it into my phones a little bit less these days. It feels like, so I don't know, do what you will with that information. It's real. Gotcha. But you know, you know, well, big, big thing right down to the MJ, mm-hmm. MJM or MJ MGM hack too, really, because Authentication. it's another example of, yeah. I mean, it's another example of that same thing. It's some type of customer support, uh, not having the process and procedure in place to properly identify that the person on the other side of the phone is who they say they are. You, you know, I mean, or very, and I, and I think this is what happens here. There's like a T-Mobile employee who is paid by the threat actors to just do the do the thing for them hey i'm gonna uh, give you ten thousand yeah. dollars you do this at 3 p.m on this day i'm gonna light up the phone and begin the cryptocurrency hijack and right. now i'm 20 million dollars richer actually i'm sorry it was 6.3 million dollars worth of crypto so wow yeah it's so much money good grief well there incredible. you go incredible 
we, we, we always have, I feel like pretty consistently. I mean, I know we're doing these a month apart, uh, you know, we have a month cadence, but I mean, we, we pretty regularly have some type of compromise to talk about. That's just how yeah. common these things are and big ones too. There's tons of small ones happening every day. Go look at the statistics. There's small and medium sized businesses getting slammed constantly, but you yep. know, when, of course, what makes the news are these big boys like MGM. So um, those are the ones that we're going to be covering, obviously. Uh, but I mean, it's all the time. It's just all the time. Uh, so I guess to continue, continue, excuse me, with the ma malicious nature of this episode, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the dark web and I'm going to, I'm going to run into it a little bit. A little bit of this is my phrasing. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit kind of how a particular article describes uh, the dark web. So the, the big key part here is that it's a hidden part of the internet. It's not indexed by any search engines like Google or Bing. It's intentionally concealed and requires specific tools to access. Typically you're going to hear references to the Tor browser. Uh, I've also heard references to like the onion router. I believe they're kind of, I think the onion router is more like the open source project behind a lot of that in the Tor browser itself is a byproduct of that. Uh, but that is typically how that's accessed. I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a, in a little bit, but estimates put the dark web being around 5% of the total internet. So it, it doesn't make up a very, very large portion of the internet. Um, the, the other part of those would be the deep web, which the deep web is just, it's typically, it's not necessarily anything malicious. Deep web is usually stuff that's kind of gated off intentionally for privacy reasons or for paid information, uh, that sort of thing. So people can intentionally say, I don't want my website to be indexed. You know, I don't want it to be able to be crawled by any bots, blah, 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 blah. And they put the necessary tools in place to, to prevent that from happening. Um, when it comes to the dark web though, you know, some of the things that they referenced were buying credit card numbers, all manners of drugs, guns, counterfeit money, stolen subscription credentials, hack Netflix accounts, software to help you break into other people's computers, you know, hacking tools and stuff like that. Hacking kits, very common. Buy login credentials to this. This is a specific reference in that article too. buying login credentials to a $50,000 bank of America account, counterfeit $20 bills, prepaid debit cards, or a quote unquote lifetime Netflix premium account. You can also hire hackers to attack, attack computers for you and you can buy usernames and passwords. So like just username and password lists. And that would be, you know, something that you could pass to a cluster of bots, a botnet, and it would just brute force. So, you know, that, that's scary to say the least. And I think what's scarier about it to me is that, I mean, I always knew it was easily accessible anyways, but especially kind of doing a little bit of research for, of course, this topic this time. I mean, it's, it's just kind of there. I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of resources on the open web, which is everything that is indexed and crawled by search engines on how to access the dark web. The, the people that are really hiding the shady stuff are probably pretty hidden. It's not like these guys have, I don't know, guns are us dot onion. Cause most of these dark websites have a, a dot onion, uh, kind of do domain extension or domain name. It's, it's just random strings. It's, it's, I don't even know how many digits I, I, I don't, you know, it's technically supposed to be, but it's just a long, long, long string of digits dot onion. Um, so you have to very specifically know, like, what am I typing in? 
Matt, did you want to comment anything on that? Anything you think I missed that kind of summarizes dark web or. Um, I, I do want to add a little bit of like silly pedantic clarification. Okay. If you don't, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't mind. Let's do it. Um, so, uh, Tor stands for the onion router and it, that oh, is, oh yeah. And it is open source software designed, um, specifically to protect, um, your identity and stuff and privacy and so on and so forth. Uh, while you are operating through the internet, the protocol or I guess technique that is used is called onion routing. And it is the basis of the Tor network and how it like, like functions, I guess. And uh, there is a Tor browser based on uh, Firefox that you can use to, you know, more easily get yourself opted in and leveraging Tor uh, network, the onion right. routing network. Gotcha. Okay. Is that, uh, yeah, that, hopefully that, that, that offers makes, a little bit of clarity. That makes more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to know too, like once again, you have to use those tools to access that sort of stuff. This, these are not URLs and domains and, and links that you can type into your Chrome browser and access. They will not respond to a, a traditional browser. They, they, you have to have, mm-hmm. use a specific browser. To, it's it's, it's to not the browser. It's not the browser. It's it's the Tor software. You don't actually need right. to do it at right. a browser level. You know what what people? I, I feel like we need to offer some sort of like, hey, this is you know a mature audience type of type of podcast this at uh, this time around. People, um, you know, we're gonna be talking about things that like we're gonna give you information you have to reasonably know to not go out there and start buying you know stolen credit cards. That would be very bad for you and bad for other people. So. <laughs> You know, this is our disclaimer. We're in like, like I'm, I'm a very like information is, is, is good and dandy. What you do with it is what really matters. So, you know, I suspect we'll talk about things that are for mature audiences this episode, right? You know, I guess please, please for the love of, you know, whatever behave, behave yourselves. Right. Right. Anyways. So I, I believe the way that it works is that you, you install the Tor software and if you really are serious about it you get something like a tails linux setup going uh where then you load up the tor software and now you're connected on something that you know basically burns itself to ash every time every single time it, it it boots and you're connected in such a way that people shouldn't theoretically be able to find you uh, i personally would definitely not bet on you know the fbi you know or some similar entity out there being able to find you you know even with all all of this stuff i know people talk about it shouldn't technically be feasible but um you know sometimes fbi owns that site that's on the dark web and they own the other half of the you know communication it's a little bit harder to stay anonymous yep just a little just little trap for folks yeah they, there was there was a recent takedown gosh i wish i had thought to grab that give me a second i'll go ahead and figure out what that was you do see the common reference to, yeah, you know, the Tor protocol is secure and whatnot, the technology behind it's secure, but most people, of course, are still going to use a VPN and then use Tor within the VPN to, to have that additional layer of security. Because the thing is, is that your ISP, and I, this, this is my warning to folks trying to be clever yeah you think you, you think you, you slick dog you ain't yeah, you, slick you, dog. you ain't super slick because they're going to know at the very least you're using tor mm-hmm. while there are 
probably some very limited use cases for it to be legitimate activity through Tor. A large percentage of Tor is going to be stuff you probably shouldn't be messing with. So this is not, we're not discussing this topic. They give you like a, a Sunday night project or, oh, I'm bored tonight. I'm going to go play around yeah. the dark web. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> no. There's, this there's, is more there's, to scare you than it is yeah, anything else. This is a horror story. We're getting close to Halloween, guys. Yeah. Re realistically, this is like, there's plenty of stuff that you, that you can't unsee on the internet. This I mean, the dark, the dark web has plenty of things that, that you can't unsee. I guess I don't really want to talk about like the full extent of the things that you could theoretically find on the dark web, because I don't necessarily feel like it's appropriate for the content of this podcast, but like you can go find some really, really heinous, you know, things that you could theoretically watch and then be left with for the rest of your life and going, why on earth did I voluntarily open my eyes and click the button? That's that looked like a play arrow there. Yeah. So, I mean, the main attraction to it is, is, you know, people remaining anonymous. There, there's the people specifically want to go to these sites and perform business on these sites so that no one knows, you know, it's all about the privacy. It's all about remaining anonymous. You know, there's a ton of marketplaces and stuff up there. And when I say marketplaces, I'm not talking about, you know, Amazon on the dark web. I'm talking about people selling illegal stuff. You know, and I will say that, you know, the illegal activities that are referenced in some of these articles, drug trade, firearm sales, hacking services, like I've mentioned already, counterfeit documents. There are There is also the legal side of some of this. So, you know, I, I kind of said there's probably not very many legitimate uses of it, but uh, we have seen anonymous blogging sort of platforms on that side or websites on that mm -hmm. side. Uh, there's tons of whistleblowing platforms. They want to remain anonymous. Once again, it's all about that. Hey, I don't want, yeah, I want to put this information out there. You guys do with it what you will, but I don't want my name attached to this. That's where these people go to do that. And then there are some uh, highly privacy focused forums and whatnot on that side as well. But I, I can bet once again, that a, a large majority of those forums are discussing things that have some questionable legalities uh, tied around them. But that's just, you know, just because I, I feel like once people kind of get in that setting, it's like when in Rome, you know, it's like, I, I, no one knows who I am. I can't be tracked. I'm going to act a fool, you know, because people are already acting a fool on the open internet, let alone, I'd hate to see what they're doing on the, on the dark website. So anything to add to that particular portion? I got, I got, I'm sorry. I got two things real quick. Okay. The dark web marketplace that got taken down recently was by Finland and Europol. And it was pillow putty. I don't know. I dropped I it in. About that. I, yeah, yeah. I dropped, I dropped. I remember in that the, like the, the acronym, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't really if know a lot about that. One. I don't know. Um, also, in the um in the show notes i've added to our little chat here to include the darknet diaries um operation bayonetta episode um i really like this episode from darknet diaries if you like if you like this topic if this is an interesting topic for you there's a lot more of this about about you know darknet stuff and history there and legal things and you know hacking things and such over at Darknet Diaries, I, I think it's a pretty cool podcast. Personally, you know, at the time of, you know, this episode being released or whatever. Um, gotcha. jo okay. Yeah, Jordy, 
Yeah, haven't heard a lot about about what you guys say. Do you do you peruse the darknet? Do you know what this is? I do know what the darknet is. I do not okay. peruse the darknet, and okay. I uh, mainly that the answer to that is I just don't know how, and I'm also a little bit fearful of like, okay, well, if I can access it, then who is accessing my stuff? Then I'm just not. You know, it's like that. It's I don't want to say fear mongering, but like I'm maybe I buy into the fear mongering a little bit. I'm just not worth risking, you know, my stuff. Uh, and as a segue, I'm going to ask. I, I guess, Matt, I'm kind of more pointing this question at you as like the cybersecurity guy. Yeah. Um, but of course, for for both of you, do you feel like as cybersecurity like as its own industry gets plussed up over the next couple of years, like? the potential for the dark web to go away? Like, is that, uh, I'm, I'm, I guess there's going to be bad apples and, you know, just not great people or, you know, people who abuse this and who have the ability to, but if we move forward over the next couple of generations with security in mind, like, do you see a place for the dark web still around in the internet? Does that question make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think dark web's going anywhere uh, at all. Like even, even a little bit, it would be like asking me, do I think that like the drug trade is going away? <laughs> nope. I don't, I don't think the drug trade is going point. away. Okay. <laughs> do I think that the international arms dealings go away is going away? Nope. I don't think any of that's going away either. <laughs> I mean, so the, in fact, I'm going to go further. I'm going to say that I, I personally perceive there to be a growth and a growth coming down the line for, I don't want to say for sure, but I was going to say for sure there. The what we've seen, <laughs> what we've seen <laughs> over the past couple of years, is the uh, the commoditization of services within hacking, uh, and more of like a unified business centric approach and and mindset. And uh, I personally think it's an incredible. Like in and it's 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 just like one of those things where it's like a train wreck and you can't look away and you're just going wow. Yep, that's. That's just terror. What you're seeing is these different groups are now going and saying, "Well, I'm going to show, I'm going to sell you my AI phishing generated email platform and tool that you can just sign up for, like M365, and all the way. By the way, it'll register in an M365 address that you can email from, and it'll help you build it. And then once you get a once you get a fish, you can go take that phishing information to another group, and they'll either help you sell those credentials." Or they'll help you break in and deliver a malware payload somehow and do and try to do some ransomware thing. Or you can hand it off and they'll do ransomware and then you guys take a cut. Um, you know, everyone gets a little bit of money in the payout at the at the end of or you know, if there's a payout situation. So not only do I do I see all the things that that it's been doing already, right? The the drugs and the weapons and the documentation and all of that stuff and as well. And I do think it's important to talk about the, the fact that there is like the good side as well. And I do think Brent that we should like expand more, maybe on they can talk more about that again later about how there is importance to encryption and, and anonymization and stuff like that. But now on top of all that, there's also additional services being operated by like well-known groups who have reputations and, you know, offer the equivalent to like, I don't know, a Fiverr type website or Upwork for like 
cyber criminals and cyber criminal activities. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. Being able to go and being like, I would like to assemble a team of hackers, please. Let me go ahead and get my phishing software and then I'll get my encryption software and then I'll get my 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 ransom notes all with like analytics. You know, how many clicks are you getting? How many payloads are being delivered? Is anybody responding to you? Like, it, it, it's, I don't know. I, it just, it blows my, my, my mind. Yeah. Just a preloaded kit, right? A rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, there you go, how, Jordan. That's how they make their living. Yeah. Yeah. So Jordan, there you go. That's, that's what I, that's what I think. I can't, like, I hate saying this, but if, man, if you're a hacker, like it's, I, I, I it's never been easier with, with the, with that, with the AI stuff, bro, writing phishing emails has never been easier. Yeah. I guess that was kind of like a naive question, right? Not to like be, no, myself up, no. but you know, hackers really only have a job because they're willing to sift for them holes. You know what I mean? So, like the better security gets, I guess one would assume that it's it's a never ending cycle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and it's a never ending cycle. And you know, systems are getting more complex, not less complex, and more complex systems require more, like what I would equate to, like junction points. Or, you know, a knob that can be twisted, turned to go wrong. Think about Log4J. That's a perfect example where somebody was like, oh, we should add this functionality and increase the complexity of the system. And somebody else didn't go, gee, wouldn't it be dumb if it actually ran the code that you sent it, though, mm-hmm. and didn't just log it? <laughs> Make it admin. Okay, I'm an admin now. But you know, there's been there's been plenty of of injection related sorts of vulnerabilities like that, where just you know someone's just randomly scrubbing code or scrubbing the way that code is processed on a on a website on a database or anything like that, mm-hmm. and they find out oh this this will break the code out and actually execute a command if I pass mm-hmm. you know this combination of symbols to it at this exact time, and people just find the most absinthe things it's it's just incredible when you really really sit down and think about it that people are just scrubbing you know line by line of code and they're you know using these like the developer tools in like a browser they've got toolkits just like that you know times a thousand that -hmm. are just looking for common trends common loopholes and and code and just looking for ways to to break in the stuff is really what it comes down to looking for that one small little gap because at the end of the day it's only as good as the human that coded it. And we're all yeah. human and we all make mistakes and gosh, I real. mean, yeah. right. I mean, think yeah. about the thousands and, and tens of thousands and, and hundreds of thousands lines of code that go into some of these uh, software applications, some of these websites, whatever it may be for, for you to, you know, there's a reason why there's patches. <laughs> That's because mm-hmm. the platform was never perfect to begin with. It will never be perfect in most cases. There will always be new stuff that comes out that pokes a hole in it. And so they have to find a new way to plug that hole. And I don't, I don't see a world where I know we've had our patching episode and stuff like that, but I, I don't see a world where we will never have patching of some sort. There will always be right. updates, you know, always. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be, Hey, we're going to have these sweet features. It, it might be, Hey, you might get something cool, but then the other hundred changes are fixes. It's, yeah, you know, we time. Mm-hmm. fix this broken thing or we plug this, this gap, you know, the security uh, vulnerability or some 
you know, whatever, whatever the equivalent would be for the the platform. So I don't know. I know that's a little bit off track, but it, it's not because once again, you know, this is where in a lot of cases, this is where these folks are going. Um, you, you'll hear a reference, you know, script kiddies, you know, they, they may not really have the knowledge of, Hey, I'm going to go code this, you know, I'm going to go reverse engineer this thing. I'm going to go code this malicious piece of software. All they have to have is the ill and ill intent and maybe some money, you know, obviously to, to jump on the dark web, they got to know enough to get over there and go, you know, find this marketplace and buy this kit, buy this it's script. so easy. It's so yeah. easy. I mean, the grand scheme, it's super easy. Yeah. Have, have you guys ever like seen or used one of these kits? I've only ever seen no. one. I've, I've, I've like straight up used one in a capture the flag event once. Uh, oh, gotcha. Okay. Time. Yeah. 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 It is so easy. Scan network. Hey, you've got a bunch of servers over here. Oh, okay. Are any of them older 2008 servers? Yeah, there's a bunch of them there. 2008 servers. Here's a list of exploits that commonly work on 2008 servers for you. <laughs> right. Hey, did yep. you know SMB version one is enabled? Here's, <laughs> here's, here's the SMB V1 exploit. You're now an admin. What do you want to do? Well, I would like to deploy ransomware. Thank you very much. I mean, then, like yeah, that's done. That's Just that's like that. not an exaggeration. It's so easy. It has graphical menus. I mean, it looked like it was 1995, but I mean, uh, like sorry, it looks like done. it was yeah. And I bet that they're way nicer now. I bet there's plenty of kits that have like, you know, nice material UIs for the Android phones and stuff like that. Yeah, right? it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, like, I, I don't. I, I don't know. It, it's really terrifying. Um, I would say that if you are, I guess my recommendation, like thinking about that, what do I do about it? If you're in a position where you're looking at threat reports, then I recommend that you you pay attention to when it says, you know, something like Metasploit type malware kit uh, exploitable. Those malware kits are unreal easy. It is. I mean, some of them I think are free. You can definitely pirate them. <laughs> you think that somebody who's gonna, who's like, yeah, yeah you, you think you somebody add a layer of legality to the whole situation? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Why, why? I mean, like the only reason that you're paying for the kid is because you want the continuous updates, right? And right. you want to know you got the part, you got it like first party sourced or whatever. So, so you know, I guess you could release a hacked version of one of these kits that then you know gave all the juicy info back to me you know type of thing and and so you could release that to be pirated out there that's I don't the problem know. with a lot of it man it's like yeah. you, you you would end up getting it and unless you're savvy and you know what you're looking at how do you know that it's while it's doing the thing that you bought it for it's mm -hmm. not also stealing your stuff yeah in the background yeah. uh you know? i i I will. I do want to. I do want to say also, Jordy, to you, to your question of like, do I think this stuff is going away? Uh, I would personally argue that bug bounties are like a a direct answer to these these marketplaces, right? I can yeah. go to Microsoft yeah. and I can get paid, you know, five grand for sure for my bug, or and do something good and do all that, or. Maybe I'm going to get 20 grand, but I'm doing something illegal. I may not actually get paid. I've got to launder the money anyways. How do I launder, you know, $20,000? Uh, 
or whatever it is. And assuming you do actually get paid from, you know, whoever. And uh, uh, I, wonderful I, Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I very common on the dark web. Yep. And the currencies are just, they go hand in hand with the dark web. Yeah. And with good reason. And uh, I would say personally, I feel like I hear about more bug bounties with bigger bounties going out there. I feel like some of like the, 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 some of the bounties out there are like hundreds of thousands of dollars these days, right? You get, you know, you get life changing money out there for some, for some good old ponage. That's right. If you're good to something like that. And it wasn't like that 20 years ago. Nobody cared. I mean, like people cared, but. It wasn't the same. Yeah. It definitely. $100,000. Exactly. Yeah. Now it's just like these groups just have cash. They have, they have all this cryptocurrency that they've probably have stolen. (laughs) You know, it's probably the whole email. Hey, I've got naughty pictures of you and I've, I've, I've been watching your webcam and recording you and I see what you do at your desk. You dirty somebody, you know, you, you've seen these emails floating around. They're like, if you don't send uh, $1,500 to this Bitcoin wallet by next Friday, I'm going to release all this evidence. I don't know who that works on. Cause I don't know who all's doing some crazy mess behind their computer screen every day, Heard but, that. you know, but I'm sure there's just, somebody just release them. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and put them out there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you've got that. I'm sure they wouldn't send it. If a percentage of that sender list did not end up sending something to that damn wallet. That's what's sad about it. Like I see those emails yeah. come through and I'm looking at it and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, somebody is scared to death right now, honestly, because they are a dirty son of a gun. And now they, and, <laughs> and, and, and now they think that somebody, you know, now they think that somebody's going to release all this mess on the internet. They, you know, at the end of the day, they don't have anything on them. It's a scare tactic, you know? And when it comes back to the topic a little bit, you know, if you think that the open web has a ton of spam, a ton of phishing, a ton of scams and stuff like that, the dark web has even more, it, it, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's, it, you're going to have situations on there where I'm sure it's going to, it's going to be too good to be true. You go, oh, I found this thing I was looking for. And, you know, it's really just a whole ploy to get information out of you. Now there is, you know, when I was looking at this initially, there is a huge side to it though, that there's a lot of ethical debate, I should say, um, around it. There's a lot of advocates who argue that, you know, it's a tool for protecting free speech, kind of like I was talking to or talking about before with uh, the whistleblowers as well. Whistle, whistleblowers kind of rely on that platform to share information without fear of retaliation. Mm-hmm. And it's also a huge platform for uh, political activism. And, and that's where a lot of these advocates are like, like we need like there needs to be something like this for people to feel confident enough to come out and share this sort of information, because if we didn't have that platform. They're not, they're not going to post it on Reddit. You know, they're not, they're not going to come, they're not going to go on. What was that? What was the most recent thing that or, or kind of recent? I think anyways, where the, the dude posted like army documents on a war thunder discord. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Absolutely oh, ridiculous. Dude, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I that dude was that. posting like actual, like he happened, I think he happened to be a network admin for the army. And because he had full access to the network, he just thought, you know, cool. I can go and access probably some random share on the, on the government, you know, the U S army's network. And he went and grabbed these files. And apparently they were having some type of debate on the discord of like, 
no, these, you know, cause war thunder is a, is a, is a war game. It has like tanks and airplanes and it's, you know, I think they have some modern scenarios and like world war two scenarios, whatever. Um, I'm sure that we probably have plenty of people that listen to us and play that cause it's pretty popular, but, um, he was arguing with guys up there of no, th- these are the specs. I'm telling you, I know this for a fact. And you know, someone else would argue back and be like, nah, you're wrong dog. He's like, you want a bit? And he posts the government documents that validate him, that like war thunder got it correct. Like they, but I mean, you know, he is in a world of crap now. Like uh, the dude probably disappeared. Honestly, he probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, sad to say, but like, you've got these people that, that, I use that story. That story is kind of a lame one. Well, it's not really lame. It's still interesting, but you've got people that have real information that they want to share. Obviously, well, it maybe it's not so obviously in his case, but you probably shouldn't go to discord. You probably shouldn't go to Reddit. So there, you know, the, those advocates are arguing like, where do they go then? How do they anonymously share anything if they don't have something like the dark web? So I, you know, I, I get it. Man, it's so it's so important. Man, it's so important though. You know, all right, so we are, you know, we live in the United States of America and we are very blessed with the fact that I can say anything I want right now within within reason and as long as I don't, you know, as long as people don't think that I'm going to go hurt, you know, myself or somebody else, I'm I'm not going to jail. And that's wonderful. And um, you know, there's, there's some things about that, about not, you know, sharing certain secrets that, um, you know, I'm contractually obligated not to share if I had any things like that. But for the most part, I'm not going to jail. Uh, there are lots of countries out there where if I post even, you know, slightly unflattering posts that are opinionated or backed up by facts, by facts, and I'm, I'm absolutely going to jail and, or worse, you know, I'm going to, you know, torture city or, you know, political dissident Ville or some other, or, you know, or, or something or something like that. I, <laughs> I mean, can, right I can now, say, yeah. I can yeah. say in all literalness, it may end up with me with my, and I'm, I'm glad I gave the mature warning earlier in the episode. It may end up with me with my limbs literally hacked off in an embassy. Yep. And that's like, that's, that's real. Those are real threats for political dissidents in, in countries, uh, not that, that, you know, like specifically aren't aren't mine right having some place where you can not like having a reliable way where i can be like i can go i can build a reputation uh i can dump evidence you know it's 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 an important it's an important thing you know in information like true information is is really really powerful i guess i guess i would say fake information is also really powerful but real information is really powerful and silencing that information can be critical in in some ways for for some governments to remain in power and so while i you know while while i i see some of the bad stuff that happens you know out there i i still feel like there's this really important part also that 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 just shouldn't be ignored and you know specifically that sometimes it's it's okay to be anonymous and good can be done more or more good maybe it's more good can be done anonymously i don't know right somewhere around there i yeah i totally agree 
I totally agree with that. I mean, that kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a full circle flip around yeah. from how we, or how I specifically originally kind of poised it. But I mean, there, there are a lot of myths and misconceptions with mm-hmm. the dark web because well, most it's not people, all bad. Right. I there's mean, a you lot think of dark and you're there. like, oh man, but it's like, it's like anything else. I mean, there, there's bad in everything. Yeah. There's plenty if, of bad out there. Like, right. If, if there's a way for there to, for there to be some type of malicious activity and somebody has malicious intent, you're, it's going to be something's bad's going to come of it, regardless of what it is. So it just happens to be that you've got a platform that, you know, it could be used for good or used for bad, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, without, giving any more details you know in my original kind of notes and in my mindset i had a little bit deeper of a dive into it but i don't think i think if at this point if you're interested in this sort of thing there's tons of videos on youtube um we're we're barely scratching the surface on this whole concept and how it can be used for good how it can be used for bad the whys and why nots and all that good stuff um so if if it's something you really want to dig into there's plenty of other good content out there you know, to, to kind of wrap a little bit on the topic, my recommendation, the takeaway anyways, would be, you know, obviously protect yourself anytime you're doing any sort of experimentation, get yourself a good VPN. You don't want to be connecting to these random sites using just your, you know, flat network, just your straight from straight from your ISP to some of this random mess. Uh, I would probably advise you to have some good antivirus in place. At the very least, make sure your Microsoft's Defender is up to date. Bro, just go go get yourself a Tails Linux install. Don't even don't even use your computer. There you, Tails Linux, there you go. Tails Linux. Put yeah. it on your USB. Boot to USB. Do not mount any of your other partitions. Yep. And or if you, you know, got your spare machine lying races. around, there you go. Let that be your you know let that be your play machine. You got an old laptop or something like that. Linux will run mm-hmm. on that old hardware. Like it's it will. brand new. So I yeah, mean, it will. Yeah. I mm-hmm. isolate it completely, you know, kind of air gap it the best you can. But, you know, that's kind of the extent that I would go there in terms of uh, giving recommendations. Anyways, my recommendations are more to keep you safe in general, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily, hey, go out and, you know, act a fool in the dark web. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I like my, my recommendation is is don't don't touch it, you know. Yeah. That's, There's a reason why is, we're, we're pulling information from elsewhere and we don't have personal accounts for this Yeah, is because we work in IT and we have for a very long time and we still haven't touched it because mm-hmm. you know what they said about the cat and curiosity. That satisfaction <laughs> brought them back. That satisfaction brought them back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, it's nice to be able to sit back and, and listen to you guys go back and forth. This is one of those uh, episodes where uh, I enjoy getting to, uh, again, kind of sit on the back burner and just learn, you know, if you guys being the two technical resources, you know, minus Sean, uh, this is something that, you know, we're not even scratching the topic, you know, uh, uh, you know, in the hour that we've been talking about. It's one of those things where it's like, man, if you guys feel like that, I feel I'm dreading from a fuck. You know what I mean? Like this is it can be overwhelming and and uh so to speak, you know, from a certain perspective. Uh if this isn't something that you dabble in, you know what I mean, too often. So just from my perspective, it's like, damn, uh there's stuff going on. I feel like I know a lot, but there's still so much <laughs> uh that I haven't uh that I just haven't touched or I haven't even, you know, scratched the surface, just like you guys were saying. So uh I appreciate the knowledge. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, both. I appreciate you. Yeah. I just kind of want to reiterate again that sometimes you 
you make choices and, and you can't undo them. And this is one of those, this is one of those choices, like, or this is one of those things that messing with this stuff has real world consequences. The FBI, Interpol, Europol, et cetera, regularly gets control of these websites and then sits there for, you know, months, years, et cetera, harvesting data, logs, IPs, et cetera. Everything looks fine. So from the outside. So if you like even go poking around some of these sites, you theoretically might end up on, you know, a log somewhere somehow that somebody has seen. And even if you have nothing to hide, you know, I personally, yeah, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just, you know, even if you just want to go investigating once again, you have, you know, there's, there's like, once again, I don't, I don't really feel like information consumption is some is, is a thing that's wrong. So if you are, curious you want to investigate investigate these things i genuinely understand that but please understand the potential consequences that you could theoretically have to sit there and explain some to somebody someday why you had done such a thing right and maybe you maybe it will be as easy as saying well i listened to this podcast episode and then i was curious so i downloaded tour and i went to a couple sites and then i realized that that is not for me and i shut it down never looked at it again um we're all this yeah, exactly, right? Or maybe you have to hire a lawyer that says that for you 500 times that, you know, $100 a minute or whatever lawyers cost. Ah, I just, you know, these these are things of real-world consequences. I encourage you just to be mindful of the decisions that you're making. That's I love like it. Investigator, don't investigate or whatever. That's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate it, sir. That's the mm-hmm. final disclaimer that you will have from Digital Ascent on this topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah i think that's it guys um good episode uh I, I appreciate everybody listening in and uh you know i i'm all i'm all about discussing this and whatnot if anybody has you know feedback mm-hmm. uh questions yeah. or whatnot post them in discord obviously we're not gonna go too far down the rabbit hole on this one uh and that's intentional yeah, yeah. and so just kind of keep that in mind with the questions if you come in our discord and say hey how do i you know we're probably gonna tell you hey man go you know Go figure this out on your own sort of deal. So, but as always, we, we appreciate all that. Thank you for listening to the digital ascent podcast. Check us out at digital and join us on discord until next time. Take care.